Welcome to the City Life Podcast. I'm Tim Woody, the pastor of City Life Church in downtown Fort Worth. There is purpose for your life. There's a destiny you have yet to walk into, and there is hope regardless of what you're facing today. I encourage you to open your heart now to what God will be speaking to you over these next few minutes. community. Thank you for being here with us. We, we, the online community joins us at 1030 each, uh, each Sunday morning. So I'm glad that you're with us today. And I'm going to ask you to go ahead and locate three different locations in your Bible, three places today. And we're going to hit Ma- uh, Acts chapter nine, verse three. They're going to be in this order. Acts nine, three, Matthew six, verse 14, Matthew chapter 6, verse 14, and Luke 13, 6. Now, since there are a lot of those up there, you may want to jot them down and leave those up here, up there for a few moments. Uh, I, I just want to start off by saying that the enemy has an agenda for your life. He wants to bring you down. And he wants to defeat you. Uh, and one of his best methods, and this is a method that he's been using for a long, long time, is to, is to cloud you with guilt and shame and, and try to attach hopelessness to your life. And, and, and when you begin to believe that and when you begin to kind of live in that, that world, it, it's really an open door to the work of the enemy. Uh, that, that's where self-hate begins to come in. That's where addictions come in. That's where isolation happens. Uh, a lot of times there, there's self-harm and then broken relationships and sickness, and it's even an open door to the demonic, and it's very, very dangerous. And so what, what happens here is guilt because of some bad decisions you've made in, that, in the past, that, that guilt begins to bog you down. And it, and it triggers this, this feeling that your life is nothing more than just some futile pursuit. And then you begin to, to move into this whole world of like, well, there's no apparent hope for my future. I can't see it. And, and then that leaves you full of more shame and, and you lack purpose. And then the cycle just continues over and over and over again. And, and you get stuck in this cycle and it seems like it is impossible to course correct. And, and the truth is, lies from hell keep telling you the whole time, you're doomed. You've messed up. You are a lost cause. And changing and turning around is really going to be impossible for you. And that floats around in your head. Well, I'll just tell you right now, it is not true. I want to identify the lie. It is not true because with God, all things are possible. Come on. How many things are possible with God? All all things are possible with God. So my message title today is called Second Chances. And it's the last message in my impossible series. We'll talk about the power of second chances. Several years ago, I was, I was pastoring in Missouri in a, a, a city called St. Joseph. It's, it's just north of Kansas City. There's Kansas City, the Kansas City International Airport, and there's St. Joseph. And I was pastoring a large church there a few years back. And, uh, and there was this lady who attended our church, and her name was Betty Crescent. And Betty Crescent was this really special lady. She loved the Lord with all of her heart. Uh, she was, she attended church every single Sunday. Uh, she was a, she was a lady who had had a rough, rough go of things. In fact, Betty was, and I, I'm telling this story because it's so long ago and, and, uh, you're going to hear some interesting uh, things in this story, but, but Betty, she'd had a rough life. She was in her seventh marriage 
And, um, and, but she was doing her best to hold it together. And her and her husband would come and we'd receive prayer. We'd pray for her and, and, and encourage her. And one of the things she always asked for, she said, I want you to pray for my grandsons. I want you to pray for Marshall and Nate. I want you to pray that, 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 that they come to faith in Jesus. And I want to pray that, that Marshall reunites with his mother, and, and that, which, is, which was this lady's daughter. I want you to please pray for these things. And, and so we pray regularly. And, and of course, Marshall was... A actually a uh, what you would call a celebrity. He's not known by Marshall, uh, but his his celebrity name as a rapper was Eminem. And uh, any of you who have experienced rap music, you would definitely, most definitely, know who this is. So at the time. <laughs> Marshall, Eminem, he was living in Detroit. He had grown up. He had, in his early years as a child, he'd grown up in there in St. Joseph. And so his family attended our church. His, his grandmother did. And, and his mother, his mother would come to church uh, occasionally, maybe a couple times a year, his mother would come to church on special Sundays. And, uh, and, and her name was Debbie, Debbie Nelson. She, she came occasionally. And, 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 we just, just began to pray. And one day Debbie came up to me and she just said, please pray. Please just pray for the salvation of my son, Nate. And Nate was, was Eminem or Marshall's younger brother. Pray for him because he, he's up there in, in Detroit with his, with his brother and he's living a very, very ungodly life with his brother. Pray for him to be saved and pray. And you know what, what a miracle was? A few weeks later, Nate appeared on the front row of church. And it was so great to see him. This young man had given his life to the Lord, had gotten into a rehab program there in St. Joseph, had moved away from his brother, uh, Marshall, who was a poor influence on him, and all of the, the drugs and the activity of a, of a, of a strung-out celebrity, basically. He had gotten away from that and was able to be there in church. And he, I, I'll never forget the change in Nate's life. I mean, he would just worship the Lord and sing. And, and he, would, he took notes every sermon. I mean, he was taking in God's word and just really receiving it. And, and he was set free from his addiction to drugs and alcohol. Uh, it was a huge, huge miracle for Nate. And we celebrated that. We celebrated it because God gave him a second chance. And praying grandma helped to make that a second chance. And, and one day his mother, uh, she, she came to me after a service and she said, can I meet with you sometime this week? I was like, well, sure. So, his, uh, so this had been Nate's mother, Eminem's mother. And, and so she said, I, she came and she met with me and she said, I, I want you to pray for restored relationship between me and my son. Now, you guys probably don't know this, but, but, uh, but Marshall Mathers, uh, Eminem, he had released just prior to this one of the most horrible songs to ever ever be in, in rap music, but it was about how he wanted his mother dead and how he wanted to bury her. And it, it's, it's a horrible video. I do not encourage you to look at it. I don't encourage you to listen to the music. It's, it's very, very ugly. And, and see, what he was doing is he was reacting out of the, the because of the lifestyle from his family. Uh, his, his mother had basically uh, was, was, was there, but not there for Nate and for, and for Marshall. And they, they pretty much raised themselves. And it was a, uh, 
he was reacting to that and putting this music out against his mother. And of course, it was all over the world. And there's his mother saying, just please pray. I want restored relationship. And I'm thinking about the video and I'm going, okay, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's going to be a miracle. That's, that's going to be a huge, huge miracle right there. So, so we prayed for that. And, and then, then she said, would you pray for me for one other thing? And, and you know, as a pastor, you get some requests for some, str- like some strange prayer requests. And like, okay, I don't know how to pray for this. But, but she said, she goes, I, I, I want to go back up to Detroit. And I'm, I'm planning to go up there here in a month or so. And, and, and I'm, I'm going to go to his house. But he's changed the security code at his house because he doesn't want me around at all. So will you pray that, God, that when I get there, God will give me the right numbers to punch in so I can get into his house. And I and I just, I said, well, I don't know if, if God, you know, we, that, that's up to God if he wants to, I, it's not beyond God, but I, uh, she said, yeah, the last time I was there, I, I actually knew the security code and got into the house and now he's changed it and he kicked me off the property, said he didn't ever want to see me again, but, but, I, but since you prayed for a restored relationship, now we can believe that I'm going to get the code. So I thought, well, I, I, you know, we, I said, well, I, I phrase the prayer in such a way to where, like, if, you know, if this doesn't work out, trust me, it's not God's fault. But, but it was beautiful because later on, uh, a miracle actually did happen there with, with that family. You see, um, not only had Nate given his life to the Lord, and then Nate has turned his life around, but, but uh, a few years later... And this happened oh, probably about 10 years ago. Uh, Marshall actually apologized to his mother and wrote another song, another rap song, which was a song all about apologizing to his mother for how he had drug her down and how he had, how he had done horrible things. And, and I'm watching how God is setting up some second chances here. In fact, recently, I, I still don't recommend his music to anyone at all. Because uh, I, I certainly don't know his, I don't know where he is with God. But recently he released a song with Kanye West. And I, I want to read to you some of the lyrics that, that Marshall Mathers, Eminem, sings. And he sings this in here. He says, today's the day that I put all my faith and trust in you, Father. So my Savior, I call on, so my Savior, I call on to rescue me from these depths of despair. So these demons better step like a stair because he is my shepherd. I'm armed with Jesus. My weapon is prayer. Bible at my side like a rifle with a God-given gift. Every single day I thank God for it. That's why I pay so much homage. Praise to Jesus, I'll always. And, and I look back at that and I think, thank God for, first of all, a praying grandmother. Uh, thank God for a mother who is willing to pray. Thank God, because God does give second chances. He really, really does. Most of you have heard of this character in the New Testament by the name of Paul. Uh, he was an apostle. He was this industrious, robust, passionate man. And, and under, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he even wrote uh, several books in the New Testament, several letters, and it's a total of 13 different letters that he wrote. He was a world-changing uh, missionary. He was a church planter. And, and truth be told, I hardly ever preach a sermon where I don't quote Paul in one way or another because his writings are are so such such cornerstones to our New Testament faith on how to live out our faith. 
And, and you know, when, when you look at all the things that Paul accomplished, you might think, well, you know, Paul deserved this wonderful position. He, he really was an awesome, awesome man. He, he must have had everything going right in his life ever since the very beginning. Uh, but, but that's not the case. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 9, uh, it tells us, Paul even says himself, he says, I was like, I'm, I'm like the least of the apostles. And, and he says, I'm really not even fit to be called an apostle because I have persecuted the church of Jesus because he did, he imprisoned and he, he saw uh, Christians killed. In his younger years, a little bit about Paul, Paul was brutal. Paul was hateful. He was this high-ranking Jew in Jerusalem who, who led the persecution of the church of Jesus Christ after the ascension. You see, after Jesus ascended, and he poured out the Holy Spirit on the, those who were in Jerusalem. I mean, the church just began to explode and to grow, and God began doing wonderful things, and the, the Jewish elite did not like that, and Paul rose to the top, and, and, and he, was, uh, uh, he, he took a lot of, lot of action against these Christians. He was an expert in Jewish law, and it's believed that he served on the Sanhedrin, which would have been the Jewish Supreme Court. So he was a significant person, an astute lawyer. So Paul, he, he was intelligent, but he had this very, very dark past. But what happened is he experienced redemption, and he experienced a second chance. He became passionate about following Jesus, just as passionate as he was about persecuting. He became passionate about following Jesus. And, and when, you, when you look at his background, you'd have to say, well, it would be impossible for Christians at that time to even see him as a true follower of Christ. In fact, even when some of the disciples met him, they're like, no, keep him away from me. This guy is, this is a joke. No, 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 this guy kills Christians. We don't want to be around him. And really it would have been next to impossible for Paul to even himself follow Jesus because he had such hatred toward Jesus. It seems impossible because he persecuted Jesus Christ himself. And yet that same Jesus reached out and welcomed him into the kingdom, filled him with his Holy Spirit and made him an apostle. And he's a man who had great, great spiritual, uh, he took great spiritual advances. And uh, again, missionary, church planner, preacher of the gospel. This all happened in, in the book of Acts chapter number nine. He was, uh, he received this visitation from Jesus. And while he was on this road from Jerusalem to Damascus, it was this uh, quite, quite a long, long journey. He was carrying these letters that were signed by the head of the Sanhedrin, so that would have been the high priest. And he was to arrest any and all followers of Jesus Christ and take them back to Jerusalem to be imprisoned and tried, and some would potentially even be executed at that point. So he was on his way up there, and and. And, and this bright light, it was a bright light from heaven just, just enveloped him and the others who were there with him and he fell, like fell face down and, and what it was, it was the glory of God. It was a visitation from Jesus Christ himself and Acts chapter nine, verse three tells us a little bit about it. Now, you know, and I want you to look at that now, but just a little side note, you're gonna notice that in here, it does use the name Saul and it's not Paul. This has no relation to the Saul who was the king of Saul in the Old Testament, totally different guy, but this is the name he went by at that time when he started his missionary journeys later on, he changed his name to the Greek, uh, to the Greek version of Saul, which is Paul. So 
So just so that you're understanding this, but Acts chapter 9, verse 3, it says, Now, as he was traveling, it happened that he was approaching Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Now, we, say, we, we tend to look at the word Lord and think, well, you know, he's recognizing that he's God. Well, Lord would have been like, you're, you're definitely a boss. You're definitely in charge of something. <laughs> so, so that's what he's saying there. Who are you, uh, <laughs> very important person? So who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But get up. Enter the city, and it will be told to you what you must do. So this was the first time that Paul encountered the power of God. He encountered the Lord. See, he knew about the Lord. He knew about Jesus, but, but now he's encountering Jesus, and everything is getting very, very personal. You know, I'll just tell you, there's nothing like an encounter with God to turn things around in your life and to really launch us into a second chance. And this was Paul's turning point. And really, from this point on, I mean, his life was literally inverted. Everything was switched around. So, so while this was happening there and uh, on the road to Dis- Damascus, at the same time, God spoke to a Christian leader who was up in the city of Damascus. And so he would have been one of the people that, was Paul, that Paul was actually coming after. And, uh, and this guy by the name of Ananias, the Holy Spirit, spoke to him and said, hey, there's, this, there's Paul. He's going to be coming up here. And, and you are to find him. I'll tell you where he is. You're going to find him. And and I want you to pray for him to receive the Holy Spirit. And I want you to, to, uh, to, to listen to him and to minister to him because he is going to be an apostle to kings and, and to the Gentiles and to Jews. And, and so he did. He located him. He, he found him. He, he prayed over him. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then, and then Ananias took him and baptized him in water. And it's like, let's get this thing rolling. And so, so then immediately Paul began preaching in the synagogues in, in uh, Damascus. And instead of going and looking for Christians to persecute, he was proclaiming that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so the journey of his second chance, his inverted life had just begun. After spending some time in, in Arabia, Paul began doing his missionary journeys and is somewhere around the late 40s AD. And, uh, and uh, yeah, like I, I told you, he was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write various letters to churches. 13 of those have survived and they're part of the New Testament. And according to historical documents, uh, Paul, he died a martyr. He was beheaded by the order of Nero, the wicked, horrible uh, Roman emperor uh, Nero. And uh, and he lost his life that way. Uh, He died a martyr's death. It's kind of interesting, I think, about this. The name Paul today is a name of respect. In fact, you'll find the name Paul in a lot of different cultures around the world. Uh, and, and it's a respected name. Paul's, Paul's a good name. It's a respected name. Now, now, I haven't met anyone named Nero, but, but people do name really ugly dogs Nero. So that just shows you, like... <laughs> Yeah, kind of choose, choose your hero here, all right? Paul was given a second chance. And I want, I want you to get this. God will do the same thing for you. 
Paul repented of his sin, and he received the second chance of God's mercy. He, he got a fresh start. He got new purpose from the Lord. And, and, and Paul, he, just him, his story, his life is proof that God can save anyone. There might be somebody that you think is way too far from God. They're way too messed up. No, God can rescue anyone and give anyone a second chance. He can turn anyone's life around. If you think it's impossible for you to be loved or for you to be forgiven, you are wrong because redemption through Jesus Christ is yours. There is a second chance that you can have as well. But, but God also gives second chances to believers, to, uh, to us when we mess up. You know, just think about this. Just like a loving child would never kick that kid out on the street and abandon them when they mess up, in the same way, God gives us second chances. I thank God for second chances. I remember the, the first, I think it was the first sin I ever committed that I actually remember, and that was stealing cookies. I know you think that's a little thing, but when you're three years old and you see the cookies there, my mom had cookies and they were in the old-fashioned cookie jar, and, and I remember getting a stool, getting up there and getting into it and going and hiding in my room, feeling the conviction of God, don't eat this, don't eat this, and I ate it anyway, and it was so good. But later on, I came back and had to repent of my evil deeds. It's like, I, I stole a cookie, and I'm so sorry. And my mother, she didn't kick me out of the house. Thank God for that. I got a second chance. But you see, what, what God did through Jesus, Jesus, the Son of God, Jesus came into this earth, and he came into this earth for one of the reasons is to give people second chances. He extended compassion to people who were marginalized. He forgave the sins of people who were repentant, and he emphasized that it is so important that we also forgive each other. You see, God's love is unwavering. And he freely offers second choices, freely. No matter how far you think that you've strayed, and no matter how horrible your actions, there's always, always hope for renewal. And I want to wave that banner of hope in front of you today, because second chances is just simply one of the ways that God works. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 16 says this. It says, a righteous person falls seven times and rises again. You know, a righteous person means it's a person who's in Christ. Now, how do you get back up? Well, it's through the grace and the power and the love and, and the, the help of God. And you're able to get back on your feet. And you're able to take that second chance. One of the most famous stories about second chances that's found in the Bible is a story of the, uh, of the prodigal son. It's found in Luke chapter 15. And in this parable... A young man, he, uh, he leaves his father and he squanders the inheritance that his father had given him. He just lived this horrible, uh, decadent life of sin and he ended up in a pig pen. And while he was in that pig pen feeding pigs as a, just a way to earn a, earn a little bit of food, he finally came to his senses like, what am I doing here? <laughs> and he went home and returned to his father and his father welcomed him back with open arms. It's a beautiful, wonderful story. His father then throws a party for him and restores him to his position and the father gives him a second chance and what Jesus did when he told this story he made it clear is this is that that our father in heaven is the same way he responds to us that same way when we come running back to him he's going to give you a second chance so no matter how far that you've strayed, no matter how much that you've messed up, no matter how many bad decisions you have made, even no matter how rebellious you've been, God is always there to welcome you back with open arms. God is willing to forgive 
when we repent and when we run to him, always. But sometimes, you know, I, I, I recognize that we require more than just a second chance. And God isn't counting. It's like one, two, up. Oh, you had your second. That's it. No, no. Because that's, that's actually good news that God gives us more than one chance like that. And, 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 and in spite of repeated mess ups, God still loves you. And, and that's why I don't think we should ever, ever, ever let a day go by without thanking God for sending Jesus, for Jesus coming to this world and shedding his blood for our sin, for salvation, for forgiveness, for his sacrifice for us. Because in reality, God is the God of the second chance. He's also the God of the hundredth chance, and he is the God of the thousandth chance. See, his grace doesn't run out as long as you are drawing breath. That's part of the caveat there. But as long as you're drawing breath, his grace doesn't run out. But hear me, God does expect you to change. That's one of the reasons we have the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit produces change in us. We call it sanctification. So we're drawing closer and closer and closer to God, and we begin to live what I call a repentant lifestyle. That's why Jesus said that we are to produce fruit consistent with repentance. So as you integrate the Holy Spirit into your life, you'll find yourself bearing the fruit of the Spirit, and and you're going to begin to rise above your failures. It takes the Holy Spirit to do that, and the Word of God, and through prayer, and through being with other believers, and you begin to grow, and you rise above those failures. But there's a key to second chances that a lot of Christians miss. And I think this is one of the biggest reasons why some people feel like there isn't a second chance. And I, it's what I call the forgiveness factor, the forgiveness factor. Um, see, if you want to be forgiven and receive these second chances, because God's always, always offering them, you have to forgive people who have hurt you, people who have offended you, people who have wounded you, even people who have rejected you. This forgiveness factor, like what I call it, this is a critical element when you're looking at second chances. Now look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 14, that second scripture I asked you to turn to. Jesus said this. This is important. If you forgive, if, okay, if you forgive other people for their offenses, your heavenly Father will forgive you also. And then he flips it. But if you do not forgive other people, then your father will not forgive your offenses. And that's one of the most sobering scriptures that's in all of the Bible. So second chances, though, my friend, they're contingent upon you forgiving other people. Forgiveness is serious, serious business. You, as a believer, you have been forgiven. Jesus paid for your forgiveness with his blood, with his very life. So the very least that you can do is to forgive other people because you've already been forgiven. Let me just put it this way. (laughs) I want you to be a forgiven forgiver. Be a forgiven forgiver. Simply forgive others. Forgive others. A very practical way that you can forgive others is to extend second chances to other people. See, a a Christian is someone who is supposed to be like Christ. And we're supposed to act like Christ. I know none of us do it 
perfectly, but, but that's our goal. That's our aim. So, so while you are growing, while you are learning from your own mistakes, and while you are bearing the fruit of the Spirit, God says, okay, I also want you to extend grace to other people. I also want you to give second chances to other people. So I challenge you to be an agent of God's grace and extend second chances to some other people. And, and, I, and I believe even that right now in your heart, you're beginning to think of some things that you need to do, some second chances you need to extend, maybe some grace that you need to extend. Now, I, I, I believe that God wants us to live these lives of forgiveness and compassion and reconciliation. Uh, yet at the same time, I do know that boundaries are critical. It doesn't mean that you have to put yourself back into uh, some type of an abusive relationship. Uh, but, but in most cases, giving a second chance is probably the most godly thing that you can do because that you're, you're actually demonstrating the image of God. I think of it this way. If God, if God gives second chances, why can't we? Why can't we? Again, this doesn't mean that you need to forget what has happened, but it does mean that you're not going to hold it against them. Now I want you to look at Luke 13, verse 6. And this is a great illustration about second chances. Look at that in your Bibles. Uh, this is where Jesus uh, tells a story about a fig tree that wasn't bearing fruit. The property owner was upset about its lack of fruitfulness. The gardener basically asks for a second chance. Let's look at it, Luke 16, verse 9. This is something we can apply to our lives. It says, and he, Jesus, began telling this parable. A man had a fig tree which he had planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and did not find any. And he said to the vineyard keeper, look, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree without finding any. Cut it down. Why, did it even, why does it even use up the ground? But he answered him and said, to him. I like this. He says, sir, leave it alone for this year too until I dig around it and then put in fertilizer. And if it bears fruit next year, fine. But if not, we'll cut it down. See, this is a great example of extending second chances to other people. And, and there's a nurturing aspect to it as well, that you're going to do something to help to make that second chance even work for the other person. Of course, if they'll allow you to, that's what this is about. See, when we give second chances to other people, we're showing them the love of God. Ephesians 4 tells us that, that we have to show kindness and compassion and forgiveness to other people. And yet at the same time, there's still one more thing that holds a lot of Christians back from second chances from God. Again, God is offering the second chance, but you have to receive it. A lot of times you can't receive it because you're stuck in your own past. Here's, here's a word of advice. Stop reliving your poor decisions in the past. Stop reliving them. Just stop. See, regret, what it's doing is it's eating away at you. It's destroying you. It's, it's incapacitating you. And it's this attitude, well, if only I knew yesterday what I know today, I would have responded different. See, this attitude is, well, if only I had made some other choices. If only I had not taken off on that illogical pursuit. Or if only I had not wasted my time. Or if only I had not wasted your money. Listen to this. Those words, if only, is a loaded phrase because it leads to the depths of despair. 
Yeah, you've made poor decisions. Sure, illogical pursuits were, were chased and wrong choices were made and, and time was wasted. But Christ, Jesus Christ will use all of that to then give you a second chance. I don't understand how it works, but it does work that way. He'll give you a new beginning. He'll give you a new course of action. Three traps of, this, of the if only statement is this. If only gives you guilt from the past. Guilt. When you're saying if only, it just makes you feel like there's futility in the present. Because if only, well, and if only gives you no hope for the future. Maybe we should chop those words out of our life. See, but but with second chances, you don't have to be stuck in those past uh, mistakes. Paul didn't get stuck in those past mistakes. I mean, keep in mind, he was the ringleader for rounding up and imprisoning and executing Christians. But then God gave him a second chance, and he took it. And that decision caused him to very quickly even lose a claim with the Jewish elite. And he lost his position in the, the Jewish elite society. He lost the respect of his peers. But it cleared the path for him to be a world changer. Now hear me, second chances doesn't always mean that you're going to have all this worldly acclaim and success. No, it doesn't say that, but it assures you of eternal rewards. So, as I stated earlier, be a forgiven forgiver. But the other way to do it is to forgive yourself. Be a forgiven forgiver. Forgive yourself. Hand those regrets over to God. Ask God to replace that terminology, if only, in your life with a second chance. Don't give up because of mistakes. Don't give up because of failures, because with Jesus, a fresh start is possible. Paul himself said it best. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I can, not if only... Let it go. Let it go. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that's God's word for you today. I encourage you. I'm going to encourage you today to begin to believe for a miracle in your own life. Believe for a miracle in your family. Believe for a miracle in your heart because God wants to reverse some situations that are here among us today. I don't want this just to be some head knowledge, some stuff. Okay, I got some great notes and I I can take this home and look at it again someday later. No, that's all fine and good. But the great thing is when you allow those words from God to be massaged into your heart so that you leave here a different person. And that's my goal for you right now. We're gonna pray. We're gonna believe God for miracles in your own heart, your own life today. We're going to sing. We're going to worship the Lord. And as we do that, I'm going to expect God to begin to move, to touch your heart. Will you just stand across the room with me? I want us to take just a moment and and Kristen, I want you to I want you to sing that song again, Holy Spirit. And, and I, I like that song because that, that song about the Holy Spirit, it says that you know, it says that your presence is what we need. Um, flood this place. 
you know, when we sing those words in the song, flood, your, flood this place, you know, that, we can say, yeah, flood this place because God's Spirit does move among us. But, but I want you to think of flood this place as flood your heart, flood your very being. When you sing, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Because this is where the work begins with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Come flood this place, this place right here, and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. My heart longs for the glory of God, the presence of God. See, what Paul encountered on that road to Damascus was the glory of God. And so we're going to sing it. Your glory, Lord, is what I want. In other words, we're saying I want an encounter with the God of the universe. And I want to be overcome by your presence, Lord, because that will begin to erase the what ifs. That will begin to erase the regrets. That will begin to open your heart up to forgive and to love others and watch how God will use you and change you even beginning right thank you for tuning in to the City Life Podcast if you're interested in attending our Sunday service or would like more information go to citylifefw.org